Do you want to start a YouTube channel, build a community, and turn that passion into a business? Well, we got the blueprint for you. Welcome to Learn with Shopify Live. I'm Shwang Esther Shan, and I'm so excited for today. We got Amanda Rach Lee joining us live. She's the queen of bullet journals, and she's built a community of over 2 million here on YouTube. And we're going to chat all about her content journey, as well as how she started her stationary business. So happy to have you here, Amanda. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to, to chat with you. Okay, I think we have to start with the beginning of your YouTube journey, which is almost over 10 years ago. You started in high school. Tell us about your early days of creating content. I mean, yeah, when I first started YouTube, obviously, it was a very different time. I started my first year of high school. I honestly, I was just an avid YouTube watcher and I just enjoyed watching videos. So I was like, you know what, I can do this too. I started making them just for fun and didn't think anyone would see it. I actually filmed them secretly in my bedroom. My parents didn't know. And soon more and more people found out, obviously. But I guess I just never stopped. And yeah, I definitely didn't think that it would become what it has become today. I really love that clip of you celebrating your 50th subscriber. Um, it's super adorable. What advice do you have for people who want to start creating a channel, but they're kind of scared of pressing that upload button? Yeah, I totally get it because I think now so many people are aware of what YouTube channels can do and what they can grow into. But at the time, there wasn't as big of a path laid out in front of me. So I really had no fear. And I kind of feel like that's what you have to do is just go in it, do it with no fear, figure it out along the way, and just kind of be easy on yourself. I think a lot of times people think they have to be perfect. They have to have like the perfect camera setup. They have to like make the best videos right off the bat. But I think the beauty is you kind of learn along the way and your videos improve. And trust me, no matter what you do, no matter how good your videos are when you first start, you'll still look back on them and cringe two years later. So <laughs> you should just start anyway. To give our viewers a little bit of motivation, can you tell us what kind of gear you had set up and um, like what did you use in the early days? Oh my god, I didn't even have a DSLR camera. I had like a, it was like a red Sony point and shoot camera and I didn't even have a tripod either. So I stacked the camera on a ton of books on a chair in front of me and that was, that was how I filmed videos for a while. And then I slowly like started upgrading more and more and more and yeah, but right off the bat, it was a very, very janky setup. Uh, amazing. So gear doesn't really matter. You just got to start making and press that upload button. And for you, you actually only started creating plan with me videos, bullet journaling in 2017. So what made you want to do that pivot and create that first video? Up until that point, I was making videos. It was more of a wide variety, like lifestyle, DIY videos. And I actually went to an art program in high school. So the I was drawing every day in high school, which I think is why YouTube was like my outlet to do something creative outside of drawing. But as soon as I graduated high school, I kind of missed drawing every day. So I slowly incorporated it more and more on my channel. And bullet journaling was something I discovered during 2017. And it was just something that really resonated with me. I was always that girl with all the stationery and like the cute highlighters and stickers and everything. So I just loved the idea of having everything in a little notebook. 
Awesome. And was there an insight or a data point that motivated you to continue with this type of content and kind of shift the focus towards more bullet journal content? You know, it wasn't like a particular video went extremely viral right off the bat. Um, obviously back then it wasn't like, I guess, TikTok where a video can like reach 10 million views within a day. But I think I did see more of an interest in terms of engagement with my community. A lot more people were commenting and they were kind of just curious and interested. So I was like, you know what, like, let me slowly introduce this more and more. I didn't pivot on an extreme level. I kind of had like a transition period where I was doing all of the videos, including the drawing videos. And then once I saw that the drawing videos and the bullet journaling videos were what people were more interested in, that's when I started pivoting more. So I would say I was just really in tune with my community and like what they wanted. And I think what's great about your story is that it took you a lot of years to find a niche that it resonated with your community. And then it also took you a long time to build up that community as well. Um, so during the time of you creating the channel and maintaining the channel, you were also in school and then you decided to drop out of university. So tell us about that decision process to let go of academia and actually do this full time. Yeah, so that was definitely... I think the biggest struggle is just having that faith in myself. At the time that I dropped out of college, which I actually dropped out of college twice, <laughs> I like went straight out of high school. I was like a really good student. University was always the plan. I was going to go to school for business, actually, if you can believe. So I got into this really big business school. And, you know, it's also obviously what my parents really wanted for me as Im immigrant parents. But at the time, I was still doing YouTube. And I kind of had a feeling that I could like push it more because all throughout high school, even though I was doing it for fun, I wasn't really dedicating like 100% of my effort. It was more like a hobby. So I was always curious curious about like what would happen if I just really went full in. So I ended up going to the business school. I realized that business and numbers aren't for me. So I took a deferral year to apply to different programs, like a more creative program. And it was in that year off right out of high school that I just focused a lot on YouTube and applying to other schools. And that's kind of when the channel took off a little bit more. I just really trusted my instinct and like trusted my gut feeling. My parents were a little bit skeptical at the beginning. They're very, very stereotypical Chinese parents. You know, they wanted what's best for me and they were obviously just afraid of the unknown. But I think eventually they came around and yeah, I ended up going to that second school. And at that point, the YouTube channel had just become too big of a job for me to do school and YouTube at the same time. So I just kind of ended up leaving again. <laughs> so I'm a two-time college dropout. Well, you also are a business owner now, which we're going to get into later. So I think it is also a beautiful kind of full circle moment. I think for listeners who wants to do content creation full-time, it is going to be kind of unstable and also it requires a lot of self-discipline. So what advice do you have for people who want to perhaps pursue this full-time as well? I mean, I wouldn't put so much pressure on YouTube becoming full-time right off the bat. I know some people do start with that intention and you know that's totally fair as well but I think in order to like truly find something that you're passionate about and that feels authentic to both you and your audience you kind of have to just like not chase the algorithm as much. I mean I would start out with just 
for fun and it doesn't put any pressure on on content creation so that you're not like paying the bills with it um but in terms of like turning it into a business eventually once you've built up enough of an audience i think you know there's obvious the streams of income diversifying your your streams so um you have like adsense and ad money and then sponsorships and then eventually if you want to dabble into like merchandise that's also an option so just just really trying a lot of things we do have a question from anna from the audience she wants to ask about how long it took you to actually find your niche uh just want to confirm it's i think it's around five years right yeah it would be five years yeah because i started 2013 and then the bullet journaling videos and the art video started 2017 So it was like four or five years. What kind of different types of video did you experiment with before? Oh, I was (laughs) typical teenager things. I was literally like 14 or 15 years old. So it was a lot of like makeup videos, fashion videos, DIY crafting videos. And I think the the common thread between all of my videos, not just the drawing videos and um, even the videos from back then, is just I really like to have fun with being creative and if you watch my videos from back back then I would always play around with like different DIY crafting videos where I was like painting or the editing would always be like sort of artsy with my drawings on it so when I look at my entire catalog of videos there's definitely that common thread but just like the topic of the videos is different. Yeah. And what I love about your content is you're also active on different channels. You're on Twitch, you're on TikTok, and you also create native content to those channels. So what advice do you have for people who are managing a bunch of different channels and platforms, how to approach those different platforms? Man, I'm not even an expert on this (laughs) because I think when I started, obviously, it was a very different landscape where you could just focus on one thing. You could just focus on YouTube and maybe Instagram uh, at the time. But now there's just like 10 platforms that you have to keep up with. So honestly, I'm still struggling to do like my YouTube channel, vertical content for for TikTok and Reels and live streaming and Twitch. So it definitely is a lot. And anyone who's struggling with it, do not worry because I promise you every single creator that I know is also struggling with it. Me and my friends always joke, I'm like, the world would be so much better if we all just decided on one aspect ratio and just stuck with it. It would just make filming content a lot easier. But um, I think in terms of keeping up with all of the platforms, just like be nice to yourself. There's also really efficient ways that you can use um, content across all platforms. For example, when I streamed on Twitch more, I would stream myself drawing something and then I would cut that down into a TikTok or something for YouTube shorts, or I would use part of that in a a YouTube video. So there's ways to funnel it so that you're working more efficiently instead of filming for every single platform individually. Nice. Got some repurposing of those content. And speaking of the ratio for video, there's definitely a heavy emphasis on vertical videos on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. What advice do you have um, for that forum, I guess? Because some people say you got to just like go with your phone and other people do have high quality camera setups. So I guess, yeah, what advice do you have for that? I think it just depends on on your goal with short form. But I think you definitely, just like the common thread for all content creation, you definitely don't need to be a filmmaker or have the craziest equipment in order to have successful content. I think we've we've seen that. I think the more important thing is like to show what story you're telling 
or to at least like offer some sort of value or education to the viewer or in terms of like value could also be your personality you know like that's that's I guess entertainment value so I don't think the equipment matters so much as the actual content definitely. The story is where it lies. But we do have a question from the audience from Jacqueline. She's curious just to ask what camera you're currently using for your videos. Oh, (laughs) it's funny because I just said that. But then I have become over the years a camera junkie. So I have a lot of different cameras. Currently, I have two that I mostly use. I have the Canon M50 and then the Sony a6400. I would actually say that lenses matter more than the actual camera. If you're looking to get that like high quality look, I would actually invest more in like a better lens and good lighting versus upgrading your camera. And what's your go-to lens right now? Ooh, um, I know everyone always searches for that like nice blurry background. So I really like Sigma lenses and you just need to look for a really large aperture. So F1.8, I think the one that I'm using right now is the Sigma 16 millimeter F1.8. Just to close off on talking about different platforms, we have a question from Nessa from the audience. She's asking, which platforms are you prioritizing right now? YouTube is where I got my start. I think I'm just a YouTube girl at heart. I do love TikTok and I do love Twitch and I actually consume a lot of both content, but I think YouTube just has a special place in my heart and it's where most of my community is built. So I'm still focusing on YouTube, I think. And um, just in terms of community building, I think YouTube is the best anywhere where people are willing to spend like a longer period of time and get to know you better, I think is always better. I think TikTok is really great for visibility because your videos can get viewed by so many people in such a short period of time. But I think, you know, what we've seen over the past couple of years is do those people who watch videos on For You page, do they actually care about what, about the person more so than if they were to like actually sit down and watch a video of that person on YouTube? Because I mean, even personally, when I'm watching videos on TikTok or something, I'm just kind of swiping through and there's no... There's no connection uh, with a, with the exception of like a few creators. So I think I'm really focused on community building. And that to me is done through YouTube, longer form videos, streaming. And I think for YouTube, a lot of people have comfort watches. You're certainly one of mine. And it's more like, to your point, rituals and also just kind of more like relationship community building. Switching gears, I would love to talk about your stationery business, which is also your namesake business. Tell us the process of actually starting a business. So Shop the Manor H. Lee, it's something that I started honestly just as a response to my viewers because like I mentioned, I was making the journaling videos and the planner videos in 2017. And over the years that I was doing it, I would always see comments from people saying things like, you know, like, I wish I could draw, I wish I could have cute spreads like this. And that's not to say that you, your planners and everything that you make by yourself needs to look a certain way. But I think a lot of people really enjoyed the creative aspect, but maybe they didn't have the time to do it or the artistic skills. And so I kind of thought of the idea of the Doodle Planner, which was our first product that we launched. And the Doodle Planner is kind of, I like to call it a mix between a planner, a journal, and a coloring book. So it has all of my hand-drawn drawings inside of it. It's black and white, and people can color it in. And then it's still like 
a planner. So it has all of like your weekly, monthly tracker, habit tracker spreads, goal setting pages. And it's kind of meant for you to have like that little dose of creativity every day, but it's like manageable because you can color it in at your own time and it still looks cute. So we launched that at the end of 2019. So the first planner was for 2020 and we've done a planner every year since. So this is actually, this is the fourth year that we've done the doodle planner. Every year we've had one and it's just been like a process of figuring it out because as I mentioned, I dropped out of business school. So it was very full circle that I ended up starting a business and I kind of had to figure things out on the go. Um, Obviously, timing wise, it would have been really nice to have gone to business school and then start the business. But, you know, there's no better education than just doing it. So um, we've been doing that. And then since then, we've launched a lot of other products like washi tapes, pencil cases, tote bags blank notebooks and we actually have a new thing coming soon like next week so I'm very excited and it's just been a very fun passion project of mine. So I think what's really difficult for a lot of founders is that they have an idea but it's actually hard to go into production and find the right partners so how did you go about finding the right manufacturing partner for you? I honestly just utilized a lot of the relationships that I had built over the years from YouTube channels and researching like what people that I really respected do and collaborating with them. But also I think just in general, as a rule of thumb, and I think anyone will tell you this, the biggest thing is to just really sample a lot of things. And sometimes sampling costs can, can cost a lot, but it's better that you spend that money there instead of spending your money on buying a mass amount of products that won't end up good. So yeah, I really take my time on sampling, which is why we actually don't launch that many products per year. I think we launch about like three-ish, two to three. And, you know, that definitely could have been amped up if I had like a larger team or um, if we were just bigger in general. But I do like taking my time and just making sure that everything is exactly the way that I like it. So for the pencil case and the tote bags, we actually went through like three rounds of samples. And there was so many different iterations with different fabrics and pocket configurations and lay uh, like material wise and the actual uh, format of it. And then the same with the notebooks is just like testing different cover options, like whether you want it hand dyed or whether you want it vegan leather at all. So there's just so many options. And I think taking your time to test everything out is really important. And also you were entering into a field where you were fans of the different companies like stationery companies. Was it kind of intimidating to enter into an industry where you used to be a big fan of now your competitors in a sense? I try not to think of it as competitors because I think that would just stress me out. So I do think there's a world where like so many businesses can thrive and that is the beauty is that, you know, there's so many options for people to choose. And even for me, I in my videos, you'll see that I don't just use my products. I The pens that I use and like the stickers and washi tapes and stuff that I use are all from different brands. So I think, you know, just because someone buys one of my notebooks, that doesn't mean that they won't buy something else from a different brand at the at the same time. So um, I try not to think of that, but it, it did, I think being a fan of stationery ever since I was a kid did really give me a sense of what I like to see in stationery, which helped me when developing products because I just had a very 
detailed view of what I looked for. So I put that in my own products. And in a way, me having all those cute stickers and doodling in my notebooks growing up was like a very long term way of doing market research as a kid. (laughs) So it did contribute for sure. Yes, very helpful to launch this business. We do have another question from the audience. Nessa wants to know, how did you know which products to launch next? And if you ever experimented with pre-orders to just test out the market? Yeah, so the the Doodle Planner was the first thing that we launched. And honestly, when we launched the Doodle Planner, I didn't think that I would, I wasn't sure whether I would continue with the brand. I just wanted to put out this Doodle Planner and it was going to be like my project for the year and see how it went. And so um, we did that. And the first time we did the Doodle Planner, I think we did do a pre-order, honestly, because I just didn't know the timelines of everything. And I also wanted to gauge the interest of like how many people would be ordering. But I think there's always a, a, a little bit of a block with pre-orders because sometimes customers, not to their fault, but I think customers are used to getting things a lot very instantly these days, especially with the bigger businesses. So pre-orders are definitely difficult as a small business. Uh, There's a lot of communication that you have to do and you have to deal with like shipping and all of that. So right now we don't do pre-orders, but back then I definitely think I needed to do the pre-order in order to to really have a sense of numbers. And speaking of launching new products and scaling, you had to expand and hire different talents for your team. How did you approach hiring and also letting go of some of those responsibilities you used to handle? That was definitely the hardest for me because I, at that point, I had been doing everything for my YouTube channel myself. And I think I like to think of myself as like a very capable person. So with all the jobs, you know, for a while I was doing everything. And I do think that's important. I think everyone should be able to, especially when you start your own business, you should be at least aware of what's going on. And it helps you to just be knowledgeable when you're managing. But in order to expand, you definitely just need to outsource some things. And there's certain things that you can't outsource. So for me, that's the drawing. And so that's really what I focus on is, is drawing and like my, my videos and all of that. But in terms of like hiring a team, I would really just search for people who, who were fun to work with and who kind of carried the same passion and views as me. And the team is still like really small honestly for the size that we are I still have a quite a small team like three or four people but just in general I think I'm really happy with the pace that we're going I don't think I want to scale too large too quickly or else it's going to be very overwhelming and they were really lovely to chat with so um, just us putting this dream together so thank you so much for your team yes they're awesome I also wanted to ask about um, getting feedback from your community and how to incorporate those feedback into your next product design and also your next video or uh, content creation process. Yeah, so that's actually the tough thing I think about how I started the business because, you know, I think when a lot of people start a small business, they are able to start off small and start off with a small audience and kind of get Um, get the feedback there from the beginning. But I was starting a business at a pretty successful point in my YouTube career. So there was a large audience already. So um, you can't, it's basically like I had the customer base built and I had to then 
uh, create a project and go through the small business growing pains in front of a larger audience. But the positive of that is that I did get instant feedback and I was able to learn really, really quickly through my own mistakes and see what people wanted. So yeah, that is the good thing about doing social media alongside um, the business is you pretty much get like instant feedback on your products. And even for the doodle planner from the very beginning, there were, you know, some people who didn't really understand it. They didn't believe it, I guess. They didn't really, they thought I was like selling out from my YouTube channel. But honestly, like I... If I wanted to sell out, I could have done so many other things because shopping energy takes so, so much of my time, but it's just like a fun project for me. So yeah, I think I just like really listened to what people wanted. And as we went along throughout the years, for example, there were certain like colors of covers that people wanted. And there were certain pages in the planner that people wanted to see. And for the, the tote bags and for the pencil cases, there's like certain things that people liked in pencil cases. So we did a lot of research there and at a certain point too, we've even done like surveys and stuff. So there's always ways to kind of get information from, from your customer base and your audience. And speaking of fun new projects, you also launched a new show, The Drawing Board, which combines interviewing and also drawing with a guest. Tell us about the new show. Yeah, so the drawing board is really exciting for me. I think just naturally, you know, when you'd make when you do anything for 10 years, you'd you want to keep shifting and growing and I think I was getting to a point especially like within the past few years of burnout, especially creatively and artistically just because I was spreading myself so thin between um creating for YouTube and designing products and and drawing and like taking time to draw for myself. So I really wanted to find a way to switch up the formats of my YouTube videos. And the drawing board was kind of my idea just because I wanted to also have more guests on my channel because normally it's just me drawing in my room with like one camera. And I think drawing and art can be such a fun activity in general. So I wanted to bring that. And um, yeah, so we have we're still in production. There's one episode out right now with a really talented artist named Leve, and we're kind of like, as the name suggests, we're drawing together on a drawing board and kind of chatting about her music and life and eventually just kind of like the products, like I, I'm still going to grow and change this series as I see the feedback. But right now I'm really happy with the idea and I can't wait to see where it goes. And the media landscape always changes. What kind of trends are you excited about the most right now? I think, as I mentioned, I've definitely been seeing a bigger focus on storytelling. I think when I first started on YouTube, videos were just kind of like this thing that you did in your free time. Like you would sit down in your bedroom, talk about your like favorite products, and then like that was it. But there's so many talented people on YouTube who are telling full-on stories in a really creative way and they're almost like mini films in a way so I think there's just so much potential and I've really been kind of reinvigorated to to change things up as well so yeah I'm I'm really excited about about these storytellers I think. To wrap up what final piece of advice do you want to give for people who perhaps want to be a content creator as well? So this is my favorite quote, and it's from the book Big Magic. Um, you guys might have heard of it, but the quote that I always tell myself is done is better than perfect. 
I know you're probably a perfectionist because anybody who, you know, is seeking out this much information is probably like waiting to 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 make that thing because you want to be perfect at it. And I'm definitely like that where it's like, oh, I need to be the best at something or else I don't want to do it at all or something needs to be perfect or else it's not finished. And what I've always tried to tell myself, especially after reading Big Magic, is done is better than perfect because nothing's ever going to be perfect. And if you keep telling yourself and waiting for something to be completely perfectly packaged then you'll just hold yourself back and you'll never do it there's like i think in the book there's an example of the person who is always waiting to write like the perfect song or the perfect novel versus the people who just write consistently and the people who do it consistently without worrying about it being perfect are usually the ones who succeed because they just have more experience and um more chances at it That's great advice. And I think in our office, we used to have that poster too, like done is better than perfect. So thank you so much for being here, Amanda. Really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great being here. Amazing. Well, I hope you found this conversation helpful or is inspirational. I'm Shwang Esther Shan, and I can see you next time on Learn with Shopify Live.